Powell Suspense. Here is the way Mr. Powell Healy began a talk at the Penn Athletic Club in Philadelphia. 82 years ago, there was published in London a little volume, a story which was destined to become immortal. Many people have called it the greatest little book in the world. When it first appeared, friends meeting one another on the Strand or Pall Mall asked the question, Have you read it? The answer invariably was, Yes, God bless him, I have. The day it was published, a thousand copies were sold. Within a fortnight, the demand had consumed 15,000. Since then, it has run into countless thousands of editions and has been translated into every language under heaven. A few years ago, J.P. Morgan purchased the original manuscript for a fabulous sum and it now reposes among the priceless treasures in his magnificent art gallery. What is this world-famous book? It is... Are you interested? Are you eager to know more? Has the speaker captured the favorable attention of his listeners? Do you feel this opening has held your attention, heightened your interest as it progressed? Why? Because it aroused your curiosity and held you in suspense. Curiosity, who is not susceptible to it? Perhaps you too. You are asking just who is the author and what is the book mentioned there. I mean, to satisfy your curiosity, here's the answer. The author? Charles Dickens. The book? A Christmas Carol. Creating suspense is a surefire method of getting your listeners interested. Here's how I try to arouse suspense in my lecture on how to stop worrying and start living. I begin like this. In the spring of 1871, a young man who was destined to become a world-famous physician, William Osler, picked up a book and read 21 words that had a profound effect upon his future. What were the 21 words? And how did these words affect his future? These are the questions your listeners will want answered. State and Arresting Fact Clifford R. Adams, director of the Marriage Counseling Service of the Pennsylvania State College, began an article in the Breeders' Digest entitled, How to Pick a Mate. With these startling facts, facts that make you gasp, facts that make an arresting opener. Today, the chances that our young people will find happiness through marriage are slim indeed. The rise of our divorce rate is frightening. One marriage in five or six landed on the rocks in 1940. By 1946, it is expected to be one in four. And if long-range trends continue, the rate in 50 years will be one in two. Here are two other examples of arresting facts openers. The War Department predicts that in the first night of an atomic war, 20 million Americans will be killed. A few years ago, the Scripps Howard newspaper spent $176,000 on a survey to discover what customers dislike about retail stores. It was the most costly, the most scientific, the most thorough survey ever made of retail selling problems. 
questionnaires were sent into 54,047 homes in 16 different cities. One of the questions was, what do you dislike about the stores in this town? Almost two-fifths of all the answers to that question were the same. Scorchious clerks! This method of making startling statements at the beginning of a talk is effective in establishing contact with a listener because it jars the mind. It is a kind of shock technique that enlists attention by using the unexpected to focus attention upon the subject matter of the talk. One of our class members in Washington, D.C. used this method, arousal of curiosity, as effectively as anyone I have ever heard. Her name? Meg Shield. Here is her opening. I was a prisoner for 10 years, not in an ordinary prison, but in one whose walls were worried about my inferiority and whose bars were the fear of criticism. Do you want to know more about this true life episode? A danger of the startling opener must be avoided. That is, the tendency to be overdramatic or too sensational. I remember one speaker who started his talk by shooting a pistol into the air. He got attention alright, but he also blasted the eardrums of his listeners. Make your opening conversational in manner. An efficient way to discover whether you have an opener that is conversational is to try it out across the dinner table. If the way you open your talk isn't conversational enough to be spoken across the dinner table, it probably won't be conversational enough for an audience either. Frequently, however, the opening of the talk that is supposed to get the listener's interest is, in reality, the dullest part of the talk. For example, I recently heard a speaker begin like this, Trust in the Lord and have faith in your own ability. A preachy, obvious way to begin a talk, but note his second sentence. It is interesting. It has a heartthrob in it. My mother was left a widow in 1918 with three children to support and no money. Why, oh why, didn't that speaker begin in his first sentence by telling about the struggles of his widowed mother with three little children to support? If you want to interest your listeners, don't begin with an introduction. Begin by leaping right into the heart of your story. That is what Frank Becker does. He is the author of How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success in Telling. He is an artist when it comes to creating suspense in his first sentence. I know because he and I traveled together all over the United States giving talks on selling under the auspices of the United States Junior Chamber of Commerce. I always admired the super, superb way he opened his talk on enthusiasm. No preaching, no lecturing, no sermonizing, no general statements. Frank Betker leaped right into the heart of his subject. In his first sentence, he began his talk on enthusiasm like this. Shortly after I started out as a professional baseball player, I got one of the biggest shocks of my life. What effect did this opening have on his audience? I know, I was there. I saw the reaction. He had everyone's attention instantly. Everyone was eager to hear why and how he was shocked and what he did about it.